Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, The 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm January Jones, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast today. As you can see, my new brand is the Glitter Granny. We all wear hats as we go through life every day. And today, I'm wearing my interview hat. <laughs> the nice thing about hats is then you don't have to fuss with your hair. <laughs> now, for my listeners, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wondered what happens when we die? This is something I think we've all wondered about. Have you ever met someone who experienced an NDE? That is a near-death experience. Can you imagine what it would be like to have the chance to find out more about our future after our death? Would you like to meet someone who will share his own NDE with us? Have you ever heard of a very, very famous, amazing book entitled Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife? If you can answer yes or maybe to any of these questions that I've asked, then you are in the right place. And I'd like to welcome you to January Jones sharing success stories today. Now it's time. Rest, relax, go get some cheese, get some crackers, get a glass of wine, and you can join me in the no wine zone. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. My guest is an American neurosurgeon author. His book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, describes his near-death experience that happened in 2008 under a medically-induced coma when he was treated for meningitis. He asserts that the coma resulted in brain death, that consciousness is not only a product of the brain, and that it permits access to an afterlife. 
My guest also authored the follow-up books most recently, Living in a Mindful Universe, Map of Heaven, and Seeking Heaven. It's my great pleasure to welcome to the show today, Dr. Eben Alexander III. Hello, Dr. Eben. How are you today? Hello, January. I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm doing great, and I'm so happy to have you with us. I've been looking forward to this interview. Uh, as I told you before we went on the air, I'm a great fan of yours. Okay. I'm looking forward to it, too, and I just want to correct one thing in your introduction. Yes. And I don't know how this crept into the copy about my case, but uh-huh. you said a medically induced coma. The uh-huh. important point of my coma is, was not medication-induced. Oh. I went deep into coma before anybody ever gave me any sedating drugs, and I came out of coma when, when I was on a full complement of sedating drugs. So there's a myth out there in the yeah. uh, kind of materialist literature that's, that tries to debunk my story that says it was medication-induced. And they're basically just completely missing why the scientific community takes the whole thing so seriously. And that is the damage to my brain from the meningitis, which also made it impossible for me to have any kind of dream or hallucination. That is the importance of it. If it were medication induced, uh, not as, nowhere near as many people would be paying attention to it. Okay, well, that's something we need to get corrected on Wikipedia. <laughs> I've tried doing that. I don't know why it keeps creeping in again, but anyway. So thank you for correcting me on that very, very important point. Uh, Before we begin our show, just a question about how has the uh, pandemic impacted uh, your career and your writing? And uh, what do you have any uh, pandemic stories to tell us? Well, mainly, yeah, I I would say the pandemic uh, played an amazing role in kind of our unfolding reality. A, A lot of this work I do with my partner, Karen Newell. She's my life partner, has been since 2011. She's the co-author of that book, Living the Mind for Universe. And as soon as we realized, you know, back in March of 2020, that yeah. all these jobs we had going around and sharing, uh, sharing this information with the world were being canceled because of the impending pandemic, she came up with a brilliant idea that every two weeks we would do an interview of one of our colleagues, you know, a, a, one of the leading scientific uh, investigators of consciousness or uh, experiencer, he's very renowned for an extraordinary story. And those are all uh, recorded and available for people at innersanctumcenter.com. That's I-N-N-E-R sanctumcenter.com. And uh, to me, it, it was just her wisdom of appreciating, well, you know, we can't go around the world sharing our story, but let's share it anyway this way. And uh, so I was very happy that she came up with that idea. And uh, we're now gearing back up to, you know, giving live presentations around the world. Uh, but I think we need to learn a lesson from the pandemic. And a big lesson is that uh, the climate change is very, very real. We saw that as the world kind of cleared up with human activity diminished during the pandemic. The waters of Venice cleared. You could see the fish. The skies over uh, Nepal cleared. And you could, from Kathmandu, see Mount Everest and other major mountains, which you hadn't been able to see for a long time because of all the pollution. And by simply getting humans to back off for a little bit, the whole world started to show it can recover from our onslaught. And so my position now is uh, to try not to travel as much, do as much on the internet as I can, because flying around in jets and driving around in our cars 
It's just adding to this horrific climate change problem, which we really need to take seriously and address now. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that is definitely a positive outcome. And I think the fact that so many people agreed to wear a mask and people were more careful about their interactions. As you know, we all jumped on Zoom and started our lives uh, on the Internet, which has been, I think, kind of exciting. And a lot of people, as you are, are continuing to do that. Uh, so, you know, it was a very tragic situation, but actually there has been quite a bit of good that has come out of it. Don't you agree? Well, there's certainly good if we learn the lessons. Mm-hmm. You know, you've, you're, you've never done wrong in your life as long as you learn a lesson from the circumstance and then do better next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we just go back to status quo business as usual, we didn't learn a lesson. So I would urge all those the corporate leaders out there trying to insist that everybody get back in the office. Well, think about uh, the climate change and all those cars commuting and all those jets flying around. And let's back off that for a bit and try and use the Internet more for communication and uh, all these kinds of uh, uh, things and, and try to make this world a better place. We've got to take climate change seriously or it, we're going to have hell to pay just e- even in the next few years. We used to think that was, you know, our children's or grandchildren's problem. Back when I was, you know, going through my education in the 70s and 80s, we knew that burning fossil fuels and and biomass was going to ultimately make the planet hotter, and someday it would be unlivable. We just didn't realize how quickly it was going to happen. I mean, I knew this stuff in the early 20th century, uh, and yet we haven't responded appropriately. So I, I would say, yes, let's learn our lessons and do the right thing moving forward and don't insist that everybody come into the office and uh, commute and and fly around to go to all the meetings, but let's do more of it on the Internet. Yes, yes, and uh, thank you for pointing out that wonderful lesson that we're all learning slowly but surely. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, NDE, near-death experience. Prior to you having your own personal experience, had you ever heard about it? Had you ever met anyone? What was your knowledge about this? I had heard occasional stories, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of NDEs. And, you know, I had been trained as a conventional materialist neuroscientist, trained in the kind of conventional uh, science of a, a Newtonian determinism. And even though many in that science claim to understand, you know, quantum physics and what it adds to the picture, uh, I knew enough about quantum physics to know uh, where it was confusing and, and didn't necessarily see all the incredibly important places where it intersects with our understanding of the nature of reality and the nature of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, I thought these stories were, you know, tricks of the dying brain. It's just a hallucination. Pay it no mind. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, I've learned a tremendous amount. And I realized that that Newtonian deterministic science that pretends that our existence is birth to death and nothing more is completely ignorant of the quantum-informed reality of the study of consciousness in the modern era, where the evidence is completely overwhelming that the afterlife and reincarnation are completely real. Just get used to it. The fact that most of us don't have memories of that is because of something called program forgetting, where we tend to have some processes that, that cover up our memories. So, for example, the, uh, Ian Stevenson and Jim Tucker, who at UVA have worked for six decades on, you know, over 2,700 cases of past life memories in children 
suggestive of reincarnation, will tell you, harvest the memories before age six or seven. Because after that, all of us tend to forget past lives and between lives. So uh, we really need to pay a lot more attention to what children tell us about uh, kind of those between life and past life uh, uh, you know, realms and, and the importance of them to our understanding of ourselves and of, of humanity at large. Yeah. You know, I'm so interested in your topic and, and I am such a believer of your topic because I have been fortunate enough myself in my life to uh, have some incredible dreams where I actually received communications from other people who have passed on, who I loved, who I was delighted to hear from. But, you know, it's not an easy thing to talk about, is it? No, it's not. But the interesting thing is the more you study these kinds of cases and and here uh, bringing up specifically after death communications as another category of experience, you Mm -hmm. find that the numbers are quite large, you know, probably something like uh, 60 percent of people in in North America and in Europe uh, have experienced some form of an after death communication which they thought to be good enough evidence for them of the reality of the ongoing existence of their loved one who had left the physical plane and left the physical body. Mm-hmm. So the numbers are there hugely. And of course, now the me before coma, as one of those card-toting materialist neuroscientists who admittedly you know, didn't understand enough about quantum physics to know what it was telling us about consciousness, mm-hmm. I would have tended to say, you know, that's a hallucination, that's wishful thinking. But I now know that there are plenty of examples where the information uh, is absolutely unknown to the recipient. Uh, And then you can show in many of those cases how uh, that intervening spirit, the loved one, uh, basically revealed something to them Mm -hmm. that absolutely proved the reality of their ongoing connection. In fact, Mm -hmm. I would say often after I would give talks on my proof of heaven story, which started two and a half years before the book came out. But I'd often have people come up to me afterwards and they'd say, I've never told anybody this before, but. And mm-hmm. then they share a story with me that was absolutely world changing and revolutionary. Yeah. And I hadn't told anybody. And that's part of the problem. That's one of the reasons I wrote the book Proof of Heaven is to take the lid off. Yeah. You know, nurses have always been smart enough to kind of get this. They're the ones who are there when the patients leave the physical world and they and the families have witnessed things that were mm-hmm. inexplicable. Uh, usually the doctors are not still hanging around, and uh, I can speak for myself, um, <laughs> you know, but nurses would try and tell me these stories, too. Yeah. And I just, no, 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 the brain creates consciousness. That's impossible. I now know that all the evidence really points very clearly to this profound truth of the reality of the afterlife and that our Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.